we deal in we deal at the best of times on single digit margins on the best times like this this whole pandemic where it's like you're at 50 percent like fuck man i barely make money at 100 percent every day i wake up and i'm 14 days away from closing if i have two bad weeks it's fucking over it's that it's that close it, for everyone and that's just not me like i'm not bitching about real i'm it's everyone across the board put that coffee down that's a clown question bro Okay, welcome to another episode of Off Script with Lance Zerline. I'm Eric Layden. Today's episode is going to be a little different because it was the first episode for Lance and I uh, to record in person. I was visiting Houston and uh, was able to sit down with Lance and our guest today, Chef Ryan Lachane. Uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down and having a conversation in his restaurant, Riel, in Houston. Chef is originally from Canada. Uh, Winnipeg, which is freezing, by the way. And uh, he grew up playing hockey up until a late age in the junior hockey circuits, and then later in life decided to switch his career path, went to culinary school, and now has one of the top-rated restaurants in Houston. In fact, Culture Map voted it number one restaurant in Houston earlier this year. Couple quick audio disclaimers. Today's episode was recorded inside a restaurant uh, after it shut down, but plenty of the servers stuck around and had some drinks. So there's some murmuring and such in the background. Uh, consider it ambiance free of charge. And another uh, quick disclaimer there's one or two extra F bombs, I think, in this one. Uh, Ryan lets them fly like, uh, like I tend to do, and Lance does also. So just know that. All right, here we go. Let's get off script. Was it a Friday, Saturday night? It was a Saturday night. Saturday, and we were busy. We were busy, busy. Oh, yeah. And it was getting on with the night. We were maybe, it's maybe 10 o'clock or so. Um, my gym at the time, Nick Wynn, a girl walks in, comes in and sits at the bar, and she's obviously been drinking. So she's there for about a minute or two. Um, gentleman comes walking down the front, and he's kind of smacking Gentleman? His, he's a male. <laughs> I'm a male. Yeah. You can tell he's, he's in bad shape. Comes in, we're like, hey, he wants to order a drink. We're on top of him, like, listen, maybe you shouldn't drink. If you want something to eat, have some meat. Y'all can chill and fucking take it easy here. Right. This dude ain't having it. He's not small. He's not happy. He's, he's a big dude. He's a big guy. Like, he's I'm, I'm about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 5'9, 170 pounds. I'm he's not, probably I'm about not a six, big man. I'm going to put him at 6'1, 218. Okay. So this guy's belligerent and he won't leave and he's fighting with his wife. We're like, hey, man, we can't serve you, you know, for obvious reasons. You can eat. He's like, fuck you. Like, oh, man. Like, Usually not the response you're looking for at that point. You know, point. you get that sometimes. Right. You know, like, but not at a place like this. Right. At yeah. The, at the club. Canadian. Uh, yeah, this at is the not club. TGI Fridays. Like, at the club, right? You're right. from what? Right. Manitoba? And not at the club. Winnipeg. So Winnipeg. Well, so somebody saying fuck you is not a big deal to you. No. Not a big deal. But no. it's like, you know, like, man, he's like, fuck you. And then I'm like, hey, man, come on, dude. Like, I have an apron on. And this dude lunges at me and he grabs me by the, by the apron. And I grab by the pulse of his jacket. And I fucking pull him down uh -huh. and this guy is on his knees like a fucking target on his face <laughs> <looking> <laughs> and i got him teed up and 
Lance jumps on my back and pulls my nipples <laughs> off. Of I say, you don't want to do that, Chef. Dude. All I say is, you don't want to do that, Chef. Yeah. Lance, bre- I this dude teed up. Lance breaks it up. We yeah. get up. The guy's yelling at me this and that. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, get, get out of here. I'm like, right. not enough. The dining room's freaking out. People are leaving. And this guy gets up and punches me in the face. <laughs> it wasn't a great shot, though. Not but, a great shot. But. But he, he lands. He throws like the biggest muffin. It's like someone hit you in the face with a cupcake. <laughs> I've yeah, been to French Laundry. I've been to Grace and the, in this Chicago. Was it. But no, this no was fights. more fun. Right. Like they, the food no was good. Yeah, the food was good. No fights. No fights. No hockey players. Right. And you say throwing muffins because this is a former hockey player. So his instinct when somebody he thinks it's time to go, it's go time. So we uh, we can tell by the accent and we can tell by the terms like smoking darts and throwing muffins <laughs> that you're not from here. Uh, you are originally from Canada. From Winnipeg. Okay, Winnipeg. You were, you, your career, I mean, we'll, we'll go back a little bit, but you were a hockey player before this. Yeah. Like, all right. Like well, anyone, you kind of have to be from Canada, right? Yeah. Like, you know, all of us back then, like, and there's, we played hockey for our whole lives. I played hockey till I was in my mid 20s and yeah. coached for a bit, then came down here. So, Winnipeg, when I've lived in Canada in either Vancouver or Toronto. People call it Winnipeg because, like, the warmest it gets is like 10 degrees above E0, right? I mean, so it's in brutal. the winter, they say, I guess, one year is up there, it's colder than Mars. They get, it'll get like minus 50, minus 55, like colder than Mars, they say. That's terrible. That's not Houston. Is it rural? Like, is Winnipeg kind of a tough no, area? No, no. Like, you're, you're, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're, Two hours from Grand Forks, like you're four hours from Fargo, North Dakota. It's the same almost. Saying you're four hours from Fargo, Ryan, that doesn't sound metropolitan. I, I know, I know, I know. So how about this? Yeah, like I'm, like when Fargo's the you're city, you're like, five no, hours, hours from, from Bismarck. Fargo. Dude, you're like, right close to Bismarck. Like most people are like, yeah, we're, you know, we're like, we're only three hours out of Manhattan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Four so, hours out of Fargo. So That's so, still <laughs> fucking rural, dude. So we're eight hour, we're eight hours northwest of Minneapolis, okay. and like, hey, we're still not like, doing better. And, and like six hours east of Saskatoon. Does that help? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, Saskatoon is booming. Toontown. Yeah. Toontown. Toontown. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, you tell what us a little bit about your childhood. I want to know about yeah and childhood. Specifically, we have to work up to hockey and what kind of hockey player you were because I think that gets to your your. Your yeah, mindset you know, and your attitude and what kind of person you are. I grew up in the 80s and that kind of stuff. So everyone played hockey. Like my dad played hockey. My brother played hockey. So that was just, there was no, in my family, there's no, like that's what you did, right? You yeah. Just, you, you played hockey and you, there's outdoor rinks everywhere. You went out and you practiced. When I lived in Canada, Lance, there was a time a couple years ago. It was, Which it was, show? It was in 17. It was in 17, and the Astros were... I was trying to find Astros' playoff game at a bar. Right. And I went into a bar, and instead of baseball, and there's youth hockey on it, and I said, can we get the uh, Yankees-Astros game on? And, uh, and they said, uh, oh, thank you very much. And I uh, really appreciate it. And so... Yeah, so I'm like... Eric just is, got poured another, by the yeah, way, sorry, for this. I've got a what little, is this? This what is a little Weller Antique 107. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, fantastic so. bottle. Um, yeah, so I just remember being like, wow, like we're on a different level here when I can't get the Yankees-Astros playoff game and I'm getting youth hockey. So when I moved down here, um, it's 20 years ago, um, what was the... There was a sports bar called SRO or yeah, something. Remember that? Yeah, huge. So yeah. Um, there was a Stanley Cup playoffs on. See for about three, four months, and then the Stanley Cup playoff starts. So I'm, I want to watch some fucking hockey somewhere, and I can't find it. And it's like, 
we go to SRO and it's like a, um, it's a Monday and there's like Monday like WWF on all the fucking TVs. Like Monday Night Raw. Yeah, Monday Night Raw. That's exactly it. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, man, I can't even, like one of there's a thousand TVs. I can't get one. And, it, and I think even Dallas Stars are playing. Right. I can't get one fucking game on the TV here. Right. And I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, man, um, can, is there a, somewhere I can watch the hockey game, the NHL, the playoffs? He's like, he's like, oh, really? He's like, come with me. And he takes me down the hallway and we go in this fucking room and there's a TV set up in a stand and there's like five other Canadian dudes <laughs> watching <laughs> hockey. In the back. And that's where like they put the slugs back there to fucking watch hockey. And it hasn't really picked up steam. I mean, it's regional. Hockey's still regional in the States where my exposure to hockey was only from Sega Genesis. I played the Sega, Sega hockey game. And it was incredible. It was one of the most fun games that you could play. I knew every line for every team. I knew everybody. I didn't have to watch a game. Just playing that. And my kids are that way now with basketball. They watch basketball from time to time, but they know every player because they play NBA 2K. They know every. That's how my kids know hockey and stuff, too. Through video games. Through video games. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. What? What was it about hockey that you love? You obviously fell in love with it because you you followed it past just, you know, recreational or high school. So, like, what was it? Was it just that you were good at it? You loved the sport? You think well, it, it was that, that it being was, a part of a team? It was just, like, that's kind of what you did. Right. You know, as a, as a young Canadian at, at, at those times in the 80s and that kind of stuff. I said, my, I have a brother that's four years old than me. He played hockey. You know, my dad played hockey. Right. You know, all you have... That's what everyone did. There was like when it came September, there was no like you weren't playing hockey. Right. You know, you, right. you did it till it got rid of you. You couldn't play anymore. And that's just what, what everyone did. So it was just, you know, it, it's 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 like it's a way of life up there. Right. For folks, you know, and you, you know it. And um, it's funny going to like, you know, I've been down for something, but going to NHL games, my brother has um, Winnipeg Jets season tickets. So when you go up there and you watch, you know, if you go to maybe some other city, southern city, and watch it, people are cheering and people are screaming and there's cheerleaders and there's this and that. Like when you go to a game in some of these smaller like Winnipeg and that and you watch it, like people are picking them apart because they know like what the fuck is going on. Right. right? So this, this, this. Like this, the fans know. They know they what's going hockey. on. Yeah. It's not, it's not a spectacle. It's right. something that they watch and it's like. And they all play. They've all played. How good, or, a, or, how good a youth player were you? And what kind of player were you? I was, a, I was, the, you know, I, I was a, a decent youth player. And like I'm how a, high up did you go? I went to like junior A hockey in, 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 in Canada. Um, I played like, like in, in, in some of these leagues. I'm, I played in the nineties where I'm not a big guy. Right. Like I, in, and back then, like you were a, like it was a big man's game. Like they would say, like I, you know, I can teach you to like shoot and pass. I can't teach you to be big and tough, right? You know, and it was the rules ever back then. Like it was grappling. It was fucking. It was crazy. Now I look back at it now, and I look at my children. And I'm like, man, I don't want to fucking do that shit. Yeah, <laughs> and they never will. Like you know, the rules have changed. Yeah, and they'll probably won't play hockey. But it was like it was it was you crazy. You play with grown men though. I put with like you? like you look at some of these guys that were 21 back then, like uh, like these big farm boys from Mantle, Saskatchewan. Like holy shit. Yeah, these guys like they were fucking men. You're what, five nine? I'm five. I was back then. I was, yeah, five eight, five yeah, so nine. Six foot skates. A hundred. Well, my dad used to say because you're playing against guys like six three, six four, two hundred pounds. He's like that. My dad used to me, you know what, son? That um, that four foot piece of wood in your hands. 
makes you six foot two. 220 pounds, baby. <laughs> Don't you ever drop that thing. And I just fucking stick guys in the head if they get too close to me. That was it. You know, like you have to protect yourself. Were you belligerent? You know what? Things got crazy every once in a while. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know, it was like. I mean, there was fighting. There, there was, yeah. There was fucking chaos. So were you an instigator or a fighter or a goal scorer? I was an instigator. I was You're, a shit disturber. Or yeah. they call them now energy players. Oh, energy, energy. Yeah. With the air quotes. Yeah. I was, I was a problem. Right. You were a problem. I was a problem. Yeah. With scoring goals or just being a I prick? I could score every goal once in a while, but I was a problem with like starting, starting trouble. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories is where were you when there was no glass, plexiglass around the arena? So there used to be this town up, you know, about me. God, it feels like maybe three hours in the way. It was called Nipua, Manitoba. And back then in the, in, in the 90s, a lot of these rinks you'd play in, they were 100 years old. All these little small northern Canadian towns, they have, they have a curling rink and a hockey rink, right? And some of them have these, these like junior teams that play in them. And we go up there and it was fucking crazy. This one town had like on the sides, they had no glass, no plexiglass. And the, the fans would sit like like knee high. So they were all kind of above you. You're almost in a pit, but they're sitting above you and there's no glass there. And you would like take a face off on things and they would like throw hot coffee on you. Straight from the stands. Like fucking fire hot coffee on you. Or score ketchup on you or what? throw something on you. Yeah, man. It was not So like, it's like the plexiglass wasn't protecting them from you. It was protecting so, you from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you think of some of these things like in behind behind the, the like the the players bench there's no glass back there's no plexiglass and they would throw garbage on you they would they would nobody they would squirt the they would stands. squirt ketchup on yeah oh, like a mouse oh, at oh, the palace oh, we would go situation. in the stand sometimes <laughs> oh, you oh, would. You would. oh yeah oh yeah everyone's smiling like, we had a couple like um like the rcmp the rocking right. place. we had a couple rcmp escorts out of town every once in a while and that kind of stuff it would it would get fucking crazy wow absolutely crazy. crazy and at the time like you just like that was just how it was right and you'd go home and tell your dad, and your dad would be like, yeah, I did that too, um, you know, <laughs> like whatever, like just suck it up and go, back, go back to work. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No one yeah. caught a slap shot from you into the stands? I couldn't shoot that hard. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a problem. <laughs> All right, let's get into the food world. Yeah, how do you go from yeah, hockey player to executive chef? Know. You know, you, you do something for your whole life, and you're kind of lost after. And you say down here at the States. The States. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I moved down here um, with my ex-wife. And, you know, you're kind of lost, right? And I went back to, obviously, I have to go back to school. I had no education. Um, I coached minor, like, like minor hockey down here, like kids, for, for, you know, three, four, five years as a side gig while I went to, went to college. And I was going to school here, and I was going to business school, and I didn't know, like, I guess that's what you're supposed to do, you know, I, as I was told. You're done this, go to business school, or try to get oil and gas, blah, blah, blah. It's not. And I was fucking miserable. Like, I hated my life. I couldn't write another paper on the global economics of this or this and that. And, you know, it kind of came to a, a head where it's like, this ain't working right now. And um, at a late age, what everyone tells you not to do is go to culinary school as, you know, an older person. Right. And I went to culinary school when and I was 30. how old are you right now? 30. I'm, oh, wow. When I, I was 30 when I went to culinary school. Okay. I'm 45 now. Gotcha. So I went to culinary school like late and... Because I like cooking and I was, I was still kind of lost. I didn't know what to do with my life. You know, I'd, I've been doing this for so long. You don't know what to do. You know, you're just playing hockey. You're on the bus. You're drinking. You're fighting. You're having a good time and blah, blah, blah. Then that's over. It's taken away. Sure. And you just, okay, what? And, and, and some guys adapt to it well. Some people don't. I just, I just didn't, you know. And I found this and 
the hours are the same you know you're at night you right. know it's it's intense things happen fast and for a short period of time then you know you can go for a drink after and blah 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 and i just it, it just worked out for me but there like, had to be something about it like they're like why culinary school because there's so many places I, I, you could I, I go. Like, so, I, like to, I like to cook. Okay, so that yeah, I was going to say there has to be something about cooking or yeah. food. I like to cook. That spoke to you. You know, I grew up in a in a family like my mom and my my grandmother Ukrainian, so they cooked, and I always kind of like liked that. And I right. Was, was interested in what they were doing and 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 that kind of stuff. So it came to the point like like what do I kind of like to do that I can make a living off of? And by no means did I ever think this would happen. Sure. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that for this. Well, that's, and that's probably why you have this. Yeah. So you come from uh, an Eastern European background. Are you Jewish? No. My, mom's, background? my mom's Ukrainian. Uh-huh. And my dad's French-Canadian. Okay, because I read something about uh, you had trouble finding delis, Jewish delis, and I read it, an interview yeah. during my research saying that you had trouble finding the perfect bagel in the great Jewish deli. And so I thought, here's this Eastern European Jew coming from Manitoba, Canada, mm. to culinary school, and now... You know, how, how though, how did that Eastern European, um, culture influence the food that you like to make? Well, you know, here's a funny thing. When I first started cooking, um, I thought that was like, not cool. Pierogies, cabbage right. rolls, borscht, all that shit. I thought sure. that was, that wasn't cool. Right. And there's not a huge Eastern European influence down here. You know, when I, I, I wanted to work for the guys that were cooking this cool Asian food, this cool Gulf Coast seafood shit and all that. I mean, that was what I wanted to do. And I went and I did that. And, you know, you do your time and you, you cook with these dudes and you, you see it and they're all good. And then it was kind of weird when I opened up Riel, um, things kind of came full circle for me. I wanted to talk to my mom. And I wanted to cook these things that I grew up that were important to me that I like to eat, mm -hmm. you know, that I didn't see down here, mm -hmm. you know. So in, in a way, maybe it was very selfish of me. Like I wanted something that I could I could do. Um, but I mean, don't you find that people so chefs and people, frankly, they gravitate towards what they call comfort food, right? Comfort food, people like, and, and maybe comfort food to you is something different than it is to me. But when I think of it, I think of food that reminds me of being at home, of Ab my childhood, absolutely. Of, a, of a trip I took. Absolutely. There's something about food that, for instance, my mom used to make for breakfast for me. There's a million names for it. Some people call it a one-eyed jack, egg in a hole, the mm -hmm. piece of bread with the toad hole. Toad in a hole. Okay, toad in a hole. We called it egg surprise. And now I make it for my son. And, and I remember one time I made it when my parents, my mom was coming to town to LA like in a couple of days and I made it. And my wife said to me, she goes, I don't know if you noticed, but whenever your parents are about to come to town, you make that for yourself. Well, and, it, and I think it was like a little subconscious, but now I make it for my son and he loves it. There's something about food that just brings back that feeling that you had, whether it was a trip or, or growing up, what is it about that? What, what is food? Why does it food, do that? I believe, you know, in a place like this and what we like, you, it has to have a sense of place that we say, like, you know, I can like cooking's fucking easy. It's a fucking joke for us here. You know, like cook, cook, like applying heat to something and making something pretty is easy, but to come into somewhere or come into your home and, that makes sense is hard mm -hmm. right 
So we do things here that 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 everything we make has to the place. Like, oh, we'll like I'll have, I'll have a great idea, or my cooks have a good idea, and if it doesn't fit what we're doing here, or what when you walk in here with what's happening, the music, the the whole deal, then it ain't fucking going to the menu, man. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's what we I I, I, tr- I truly truly believe that that food to be successful at it and to to be delicious you know you look at it it, it it makes sense here you don't have to agree with it but it makes sense in this building right okay so so let's actually i have that i want to talk to you about when you start to build out a concept mm-hmm. right what comes first because concepts restaurants are so difficult and space you just mentioned music atmosphere um the the energy of the of the bartender the mixologist what's on the menu how you're greeted when you walked in the feel of the yeah. restaurant the color all the of space, that the, the color the of the space yeah. and and at the root of it most importantly the food and the quality of the food right how, where do you even start when you're about to start a concept where does the you know first what? thing start real right now would never work anywhere else it would I, I couldn't plop this place in somewhere else it just wouldn't um being a, a chef um and i don't know being an actor or or being the radio it's very selfish and narcissistic right so you know nowadays opening a restaurant like it's about fucking me mm-hmm. ryan lachane's doing this right it's a, it's ryan lachane ryan lachane ryan lachane ryan lachane so it's, it's selfish and narcissistic like everything that comes out of here has to represent me and these guys that are sitting over at the bar that are my cooks they have to know that what they're doing in some way, shape, or form represents me. And mm-hmm. it's fucking shitty sometimes. And it's selfish. And it, it's, I don't like it, but that's the way the media is going, the way, the way social media is not mm-hmm. like, that's the way it works. Right? It's a brand. And, there, and there's no way around that right, right now. Like, you know, so you start doing that and you, you, I, you, I start with the fact, like, I'm going to do this. Like, like we're talking about the Ukrainian stuff and the Eastern reason. I, I say, you know, fuck it. I'm putting borscht in the menu. I'm putting pros in the menu. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't give a shit. And when we did that, there was like, you know, people were like, okay, that's great. But there was a lot of information to go on. So my front of those people had to talk to folks in the dining room that have never seen a pierogi in their life. What's this? What's and, a pierogi? And we don't dumb down our menu either. Like, right. It's no. This, it's this, 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 and yeah. this. It's not like, okay. Every culture has a dumpling. Every culture has some dough with some shit inside it. Right. These are Eastern European dumplings and they're potato and cheddar. And this is what chef ate growing up and blah, blah, blah. And we just took it from there and we made this. Now we're doing this. Now we feel comfortable doing this. Like the cabbage rolls we have on now, we just put them on a year ago. Those are, those are two years in the making, man. Right. Yeah. Like we doing them. I wasn't happy and I'd stop and we, we would. I would try yeah, them again. Where'd you get them from? My, 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 my mom and my grandma. That, and, used to make right. them, and you know, right? and that gets back to the food, you know? So it's amazing how people are so defensive about their mom's recipe on everything. Defensive be, or protective? Uh, no, no, no. Protective, but defensive. I'm not protective. No, but you've always you said even, yours but, isn't but as but good. You think you you think that food is like blah to everybody, right? Because you're eating these restaurants and some guys yeah. firing out a taste menu and fucking sushi and this and like, oh my god, I'm making pierogies back there. My mom makes those like every, like you know a million times you know a year, and you don't think it's it's right, but I mean, there comes a time where you have to submit and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm made of. But do you think your cabbage rolls are as good as your mom's? Yeah. 
And don't and my hope my mom never fucking. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for your fucking. And mom my mom and my mom's the nicest woman. Ever. How long did it take before you thought your pierogies and your cabbage rolls were as good as your mom's? It took it took a while, but like yeah. you know, here's the thing. I have the luxury of all these tricks, right? Of all these things. My mom and my grandma were at the fucking shitty stove pinching pierogies and boiling potatoes and yeah. me- and melting cheese in it, right? Right. I I have the resources back there to do better things. Right. So it's, you can't compare it. And I tell people this when they like, you know, people that come in and they want, we do borscht and they're like, well, this ain't my mom's borscht. They want pierogies. It's my grandma's pierogies. Well, you know what? Go fucking eat your mom and grandma's pierogies. You should. Right. Go visit them. Yeah. Hey, you know, but yeah, but if you live in Houston and they're in the Ukraine, <laughs> guess what? This is the next best but you, thing. But we, we, you know, we feel as a restaurant, like if you're going to eat pierogies, I have to elevate. I have to do something to them. Right. Sure. I owe you. As a customer, I always, I always feel like, like this way. If you walk in this restaurant, you know, we're not super expensive, but we're not super cheap either. Mm-hmm. And you and your, you and your wife or your girlfriend or your friends walk in, you know, a hundred bucks flies out of your pocket. Yeah. But I, you, I fucking owe you, dude. Yeah. Right. And I better bring it. I better not bring your grandma's pierogies out. Right. I better bring something that's better. that that's in this that goes with the with what's going on here. Right. And so Maybe not better, but that, different. Yeah. That's that, that's what we we strive for, right? I don't want you know. I'm not trying to shit anyone's on grandma, you know, or Baba or that kind of right. shit, you know? How do you stay inspired? There's, you know, I'll, like, especially in the, the pandemic, it's been tough to stay creative, right? Mm-hmm. You're fucking bummed out all the time. And, like, there'll be times where I can't look at a cookbook. It fucking makes me sick to go, like, or go eat out somewhere at some new restaurant. I don't want to see food. You're, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's like peaks and valleys, right? There's, there's some, there's sometimes, I don't know, as, as you as an actor, I'm, I'm sure there's things like you're fucking, you're stoked and you're ready to rock and roll. So then there's something like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Yeah. I had enough. I don't even want to, you know, there's a taco bell in the street that I eat at once a week. Right. You know, I just want to, I'm, I'm eating to stay alive. Right. right. Now. Cause that's what, cause I see food every day and I'm done. And there's sometimes like, you know, I just need a break and we'll go and we'll eat somewhere. And you'll get inspired by it. It's like, you know, it's like, boom. You're like, man, I see this. It's funny in this fucking city. look at this. And I know the guy. Like, Why did you do this? And all of a sudden, you're, you're pumped up again. Right. And you want to fucking cook. And you want this. And there's something that's like, I don't want to. And do you only find it in food? Or do you find it in you things? Find it, you find it everywhere. Everywhere. You can, you, I talk to music. like, you know, we have music, art. Right. One of the things that I think is, is really interesting, and I was lucky enough to have a food show with a guy in, here in Houston who was one of the, kind of the four, uh, at the forefront of the Houston food scene taken off Brian Caswell. And, you know, he told me some interesting things like, you know, you eventually, you can't just cook for yourself. You got to cook for other people. You got to cook for what they want and not just what you want to give them all the time. But I think the other interesting thing is that um, when chefs get away from higher end food, they want simple. They want to go try the dumpling place. I was finding out about the best fried chicken in the city was at a Middle Eastern place and also a Vietnamese place. And they told me in A-Leaf here around Houston. Right. They told me where it was. I mean, that some of the people who make some of the best food, when they're not cooking for a living and doing what they do here, you like simple. A lot of chefs are really into simple food. And sometimes even eventually get into that level of food as they move on with their career because it's almost like absolutely I've done and, that and there's before. and there's and there's um there's two sides to that that we like that honest like honest food like we strive to be honest here there's no tricks here right we're not doing some fucking crazy high-end shit there's no tricks we're, we're trying to be as honest as we can now that being said like 
there's been this in the last 10 years this thing well chefs like you know eating at the best taco trucks or going to chinatown or doing this and that yes we do you know why because i get up at fucking midnight we're all broke and i want the good taco truck in the room because i can get i can get six tacos for you know awesome tacos for for a certain amount of money and we go to chinatown it's open late and we can eat there because that's the we live like fucking vampires right that's how we live you know and a lot of these line cooks and that like you don't make a lot of money you know right. so you can't afford these nice places I, it's you know so that's the other thing that was pretty shocking to me to learn that i think there's a there's a because of the celebrity chef thing that's taken off over the last 10 years i'd say um there's a belief i think in the general public that chef like that is a lucrative business and to have re- oh, and yes it, well, if you have multiple restaurants it can be lucrative but i think people are way off on this is a grind what, Lance, what you guys we deal do. In, we deal at the best of times on single digit margins hmm. yeah wow on the best times like this whole pandemic on a dish. this this whole pandemic where it's like you're at 50% like fuck man i barely make money at 100% right never mind 50 like I need this to be one hundred and twenty. I need the bar four fucking deep, and everyone in here balling it out, packed, for three turns, to like make to make a decent living. At fifty, no man, and you're never at fifty, right? So we've talked about this multiple times. You know, we're sitting right now. Every, we have every second table. We're doing fifty percent, sixty distance. If this four top has two people in it, I'm losing. Right. I'm losing real estate. So how do you manage then, right you, now? Right now, you don't. You just you fucking pray to God you people just come eat in. it. But you've you done it. something though. That's not true because well, you you have done something. You've adapted. And I think everyone's having to we're do things. We're all adapting. We're all we're all trying right. to do different things. But I, I think you know we're doing the Louis thing. We're doing sandwiches at lunch now to go, which is helping us out a ton. But it's still not enough. Right. And um, as long as we can't be one hundred percent, and people aren't coming out and spending money, the most a guy told me a long time ago, the most expensive thing in a restaurant is an empty seat. It's like owning a bunch of homes. And if no one's, you know, yeah, you look like a great guy. You own a bunch of houses. If no one's renting them, you're fucking losing, dude. Right. And that's what we are. Every restaurant in this country is losing right now because they have empty seats in there. What has the government done for you guys? Well, you get your PPP and that kind of stuff, and it's whatever. And, you know, there's the lack of leadership and the lack of guidance for us is is terrible. I'm a cook. Right. Right. I, I I work in a, I work I work in a fucking restaurant here like you know I, and I don't know what's going like how this whole thing should pan out like I'm not a, I'm not a, a fucking doctor I'm not a scientist I'm not whatever so I'm you know we're all looking for someone to tell us what to do and no one's telling us what to do so we're kind of you know they have these guidelines that we're all doing our best to to abide by. But it's not. It's not an. It's it's, it's, it's not it's working. Tough, it's tough though because at fifty percent, it's just a slow bleed. You're just bleeding it's a, out. It's slow, a slow death, slowly. right? So it's, what is it going to do? What is the restaurant scene? Because I feel like, let's call it twelve months ago, the restaurant scene certainly in a town like Houston, economy was great, mm-hmm. uh, which is where we are now. Which is why I say Houston, but. You know, economy's good, market's up, people are, you know, feeling good about themselves. The restaurant scene, yeah, the restaurant scene by all intent and purposes is is great. Mm -hmm. What does the restaurant scene look like in 18 months? Like, like, 
I don't know. And I, I, I wish I could tell you, like, in all honesty, every day I wake up and I'm 14 days away from closing. Right. If I have two bad weeks, it's fucking over. Right. You know, once, like, there's... It's there, that close. It's that, it's that close. For everybody, probably. It, for everyone. And that's just not me. Like, I'm not bitching about Real. I'm, it's everyone across the board. And you I know... To lay off uh, workers? No, like, we've been fortunate enough. Like, you know, I have one small restaurant with 20 employees. Right. And um, we've done some things, like the Lee Initiative, my friend Ed Lee, that um, we fed... Um, Workers that were out of our um, industries that, that, that couldn't right. work here and blah, blah. We had funded to do that. Deshaun there's, there's, Watson from the Texans kicked yeah, in money. Deshaun Watson gave us, what, five, ten grand or something yeah. to do it. And we, we, we don't, we're trying to keep everyone busy. Like, I don't want my guys going on employment. Yeah. Because once that runs out, it's, you know, and, and we're not here. It's over. Like, I yeah. want my guys busy. I want them hungry and, and this and that. So I don't know what's going to happen here in, like, I just, it literally, like, day to day. Every day we come, we look at the numbers. Hey, let's prep for this. Let's do this. Let's what do that. What if everything, all right, let's say the vaccine is just this magic fix. How long does it take the restaurant? Like, if you know that people are more willing to go out, they may still wear masks and there may mm. still still be, but they say, okay, we can go back to 100%. We feel better about this. People may still wear masks if they want to. How long, because it doesn't mean people will go out right away. How long do you think until restaurants say, okay, we're back. We feel like we're back. Could that happen inside of a year? I think people inside of a year, if, if they're allowed to come out, I think they'll come out. Are you um, going to make up for loss? You, you just write that off, you'll never make it up? Well, you know, it's... Like but said, that's life. Like, yeah. I mean, Lance, I've been out of work since January, as you right. know. I mean, that's that's everybody right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a it's, it's the ebb and flow of everything, that, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, that, and that's just, you know, I mean, I, I know for me, you know, and probably very similar to similarly to you you know it's it's waves you know it's it's good months bad months i mean there is no steady you there's know? no there's steady just, and, and that's no and, and, and you always you look at it and you know we're saying you know obviously right now restaurants are a focal point of things because you know if i can't buy fish for my fishermen i can't buy veg for my farmer i can't buy you know protein from my ranchers I can't buy this. There's a trail down effect, right? Same as you. Like, it's an like, ecosystem. Like, like when, when, you, when you do a movie, how many like, people are there working? Oh, beyond that, though, like, Ryan, the city of Los Angeles. Absolutely. So like dog walkers aren't getting jobs walking dogs because people don't need dog walkers because they're at home. It's crazy. All the catering people, all the food trucks that are out and about around the city it's don't a, need to be there because there are no people uh, hiring food uh, trucks. Absolutely. And that's and the, so the, 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 it's just the ecosystem yeah. of Los Angeles. It's so the, fucked the, up. the entire thing is, it, it's is, all interconnected. Is gone out of lock. Yeah. You and I had talked about something a while back, Ryan. I want to bring this up on the air because I, I do think it's a good concept. I think it's an interesting concept the concept of the ghost kitchen. Mm -hmm. And oh, I brought dude. it up to him. And as soon as I started talking about it on the ride over, he knew exactly where I was going and told me about a place he went in LA. You got to tell Ryan, this is incredible. And I, I could see this catching on in a lot of cities. So we were in LA a couple weeks ago, wanted to order takeout, obviously, uh, order from a place called crispy rice it's like a little sushi joint they do like a little bento box and so you know of all their specials so i look postmates is going to be 40 minutes oh look the address it's only like six minutes from here i'll go pick it up i drive down I'm driving down western i stop 
like at what I think is the address, but I can't see anything. It's a pretty nondescript building. You've already ordered There's, it. I've already ordered. Yeah. I'm going to pick it up. There's like a big glass door with probably, dude, there had to be 30 to 40 restaurants mm. listed on that door. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. It says crispy rice. I park my car. I go out. There's a little scanner. I had had a QR code. It says scan. And I scan my QR code. It says Eric crispy rice. I hit yes on the touchscreen. I walk in and there's a guy like it's super plain Jane. Like a dude mm. looks like he's at a post office, like yeah. post office window. He, he goes, show me your QR code. I show him. He's like, looks back. He grabs a bag. And as he's grabbing my bag of food and handing it to me, somebody comes through the door behind him and it's a big door. And I look back, dude, it's gotta be, it, it's gotta be. 4,000 square feet behind him of just kitchen space mm -hmm. for these 40 restaurants that are just all like leasing this space and splitting the cost to crank out to-go orders. Yeah. It was the craziest it's, thing I've ever a, seen. It's an, they have one here called Click. A buddy of mine, Gabe Medina, does it. It's, it's a, you know, it's, I, I, I think it's the future, you know, like. Explain how it works, right? So. What we do here, you know, we have a place called Louis, like we play like Louis Real, but we're called Real. We have a place called like the guys for same as Louis. We do sandwiches, but it's the same restaurant, right? You're, they, it's one cook, it's or it's one chef pumping out however many restaurants. You're just doing. It's not even like restaurants. It's just different styles of food, and you're calling it this. So there's like you have a Mexican restaurant called something. You have a Spanish restaurant. You have a French restaurant. It's all the same thing, but it's coming out of one kitchen. Oh, and so you punch it out. Okay, because what this looked like, because well, yeah. these were all restaurants, and they might, and there were actually restaurants in Los Angeles that I know that have brick and mortars, and it looked to me, at least, and this is just literally looking back, that yeah. they were all leasing this building well, that full might of be kitchens, true. and they all had this space. I, I love that concept. Like they were I like that concept too. Putting out to go orders to alleviate that to go stress on their brick and mortar shops, absolutely, and just fulfilling to go orders yeah. and all sharing. The rent that on could this be the future space. too, though. I think that's I think that's part of the future. Like so, when when COVID hit here, you know, we literally and I'm not joking, overnight turned it to go restaurant. Yeah, and this restaurant, like you're sitting here, like we're not built like this kitchen right here is built to feed this dining room, right? And we had to figure out a way to produce, and a lot of my food isn't to go friendly, you know, like like it's. It's meant to go from here, five feet to that fucking table, and eat it, and that's it. So it was, right. a, it was a thing. So uh, we're seeing a lot of that now, and I think that's a smart thing where you can get a bunch of different restaurants in one space. Um, that it's never going to be the same like, sure. going home, right? But will sure. it be as, who knows? You do the best you can. You do the best you can, right? Um, dining experiences, when you've traveled all over, and I've seen your resume and, mm -hmm. and you've worked in different cities around the country and you've obviously traveled the world and um, dining experiences are different all over the place, you know? And, and so I, I think of a little bit like theater, like when you do theater in New York, it's different than when you do theater in anywhere really? else. It's just different. The mm -hmm. audience gets it right. Yeah. It, it, the audience understands their job as an audience. There's a different energy. There's the, it's kind of like you were saying in, in hockey, the, they know what is supposed to be happening up there. They get mm -hmm. it. There's, it's just different. What you have, you know, you have been to different restaurants around the country behind, behind the oven. Let's so let's say, mm -hmm. what is it? 
about that? Like, why do some places just get it and some places don't, or do they? You know, or, or, you know it's it's a weird thing. There's, I've been in places, and there's places here in, in Houston that there's some way open a restaurant, and you're like, there's no fucking chance this guy's gonna survive. Doesn't have the parking, doesn't have this, doesn't have that, and next thing you know, they're winning a bunch of awards and doing stuff here. Like you're scratching, you're like, how the how the fuck did this work? You know, and the majority of it's like, you know, you need this, you need that, you need that, and, and it kind of works, kind of, but I. I don't know. Like, think some things just just happen, right? It's like they work. Like, I'm sure you, you've worked on a movie or a, a TV show. You're like, okay, and it's like, oh my god, like this is a big fucking deal now. In that, it's the same in the restaurant. But it's like you, some things happen here, and you just don't. Most of the time, I work on television shows or movies, and they're absolute disasters to work on, been? and then they're great. And then the ones that you think while you're working on and, them are going to be and, great, and, 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 and they're like, the opposite, they just and that's, totally and, and that's the same thing here. Yeah. He's like, there's no fucking way right. it's going to work in his, his shitty location and what how the food he's putting out for this, like what they want. And you're like, oh my God, this guy's killing it. And how it happened, it, it, it's, well, it's, you, it, it just but happens, you know, right? I think you do have to, you mentioned it before, you have to factor in the importance or... Um, the impact that social media has on stuff too, because yes. it does spread. It can be, look, Yelp, we know that restaurateurs hate Yelp because Yelp, people can just be shitty on Yelp, have a grudge, and it can really hurt. It can really hurt a bit, any business. Mm. But, you know, by the same token, Instagram and Twitter, uh, to a lesser extent, Facebook, probably Instagram first and foremost, it really can build the brand of a restaurant and heat a restaurant up, sometimes deservedly so, and sometimes. Maybe it's just not that great, but an influencer or two. But you know what, man? Like, like, like that's that's the nature of the biz, right? Like, right. there's some folks don't deserve it, and they get it. Yeah, same thing, know. but it's the same thing that like food writers used to have that same juice. Now it's not necessarily people who have the same palate or the same background or understanding. They, it's not one person; it's multiple people can have that influence. It's fucking listen. That's got to drive you crazy. It's fucking politics. And it doesn't matter what's going on or what level you're at or what you do. Like, I know some guys that that are chefs that couldn't cook their way to a wet paper bag. That win awards, that have get so much shit going on. I'm sure you know actors that are fucking jokes. Yeah. That are making Work nonstop. Working Work, nonstop and make make, millions. making millions of yeah. and they're and they're terrible. And I'm sure you know athletes that this guy is whatever, but there's some way, shape, or form they get in there. And that's and I look at like, you know, it used to make me mad, like five like four years, I'd be, I'd be pissed off and be bitter, like, why am I not that guy? Like, you know what? That's 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 show business, buddy. Like that's what you gotta do. And Tell and, and you and I and I take it like I take it like a man now, you know, and it stings sometimes, but hey. I put my head down and we're But it also cook. can help you. But it, it sure. can also help you too because you your restaurant it, right? was named number one in Houston on Culture Map last year too. And it can, I mean, that can help you too. You know, it's funny though because the social media, one of the people hurt the most by the pandemic has been the influencers, which no one likes the influencers. No. I think no. they're universally despised yeah. because they're entitled pricks for the most part. And they're just trying to live their best life as free as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that you've had people approach you. I guess they use the word, let's collaborate. Collaborate is the buzzword, isn't it? It's collaborating. I used to like, you know, we were some, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get down like that. And, you know, maybe now it's, it's part of the deal. 
it, it with me it goes down to how they approach this is how they come in if they come in swinging dicks and saying you want to collaborate i i know what that means right now if they come in and say hey man like listen um we'll do this and you do that and okay like you know one hand washes the other in any in anything you got to do business sometimes we get this dude twice a year who was on like a certain bachelor bachelorette thing. I was on this show and I'm going to come in and, and uh, I don't want this, but no, this and that. Like, you know what, dude, fuck you. <laughs> no, pick another one. Yeah. Pick another one. But if someone says, Hey, or like, it may, it may be like someone I know, knows someone that has, right. and they'll send them in. Like, what does it cost me to make them lunch? Right. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. Right, and, and if most I get, of those if people I get, aren't looking for anything anyway. Like when Dana not. White came in here, it was just as cool as could be. Uh, so, what's that. the craziest shit you saw in a kitchen, either between cooks, a chef? Like, what have you, what have you been part of, or what Listen, have you man, seen? I don't know if I can say some of this. You stuff. can. Well, you want me to tell you this? I got fired from Cheesecake Factory. Um, first of all, I think everybody should have to work in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like my boys I are going to work in restaurants. Yeah. Um, I think everybody should have to work. I should say in the service industry. industry Teaches in some, you in what capacity. in the weeds means. And, and you learn how to work faster and how to. Under pressure. Yeah. I liked it. I liked sure. I love being a waiter. Yeah. I love being a waiter. And the busier I was, the better I was. I loved it. Um, but I don't even mean from that capacity. I mean, so that when you go to a restaurant, just understanding working in a service industry. So you know how to treat people. You understand what people are going through sometimes. And you're not an asshole when you go to restaurants. Like that's one of my pet peeves when I see people in restaurants that are assholes because I dealt with them, right? Like as a waiter. Um, I, to circle back, got fired from Cheesecake Factory because I was broke. I was a broke actor Mm -hmm. in LA. And um, I had been given a couple notices for, I would, on slow slow days, I would like hide around the corner. So you got, you got called, you got was. called in the carpet. I got caught eating the bread, like the pumpernickel <laughs> bread it was so good. By the way, yeah, yeah. and Cheesecake Factory, fuck the Cheesecake Factory, dude. They didn't even give us like free food. Really? They gave us no no discount on food. Okay, wow. when we came in early or, or stayed late, no discount on food. 50% off yesterday's cheesecake. <laughs> Suck a bag of D's, dude. Okay? Like a day old cheesecake. Like, yeah, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But but I, m- m- like, on many of occasions, I would grab my my plate, a plate or two from the expediter. The expediter, for those listening that didn't work in restaurants, is the guy that's literally on the line calling out the orders as he gets them through the yeah. through the computer. And, and kind of like, He's basically the conductor, mm-hmm. I would say. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Okay. So I would go get it. And, and you know, if I was hungry, because I normally was, because I hadn't eaten, yeah. and it was like a nice piping hot plate of orange chicken, yeah. I might taste one on the way around sure. the corner, you know, around the post. That well, you, well, you hey, de- hey, and that's where it's your called dad's- quality control. Thank yeah. you. Well, I was, when you got older, I was it's a quality called, control it's, manager. It's a dad tax and as you get older. We talked about dad yeah. tax on the last episode. You take dad tax out of your kid's food? Every time. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay, yeah, that's how sure. we do it. So after I'd done that enough times, uh, and then the the final was, and this will age me a little bit and tell you where I was or what time what time uh, this was. I I was I was continually warned about wearing my pager, my pager <laughs> on the outside of my apron. You're I already looked like a painter, by the way, because when you work at Cheesecake Factory, white, you wear yeah. all white. 
right? And and eventually they were like, I think it's best. I think it's good. You should find another route. Because they, between eating, eating cheese, eating our eating <laughs> What our would food. they say when they caught you eating someone's orange chicken? Dude, it was always like my general manager. He would just be like, you can't. no, there was never the orange chicken as much as the bread. Yeah. Because I'd just be sitting down there eating the bread. You get in trouble for bread? Were, I remember one he time he called more me than orange you. chicken, and I, I was know. like, bro, this is a huge plate. They are <laughs> never going to finish all this. Not to mention, I've got an eight top, and they ordered four entrees, so they can <laughs> suck it. It's funny to hear okay? Mr. Germs. Like, why do they have to? Why do they? You're the they germologist to... now, and you're eating orange chicken. But I didn't you say I ate it after the... I was taking it to their to-go container. On the way. On the way from That's the kitchen. That's still. No, I got it first. No, I, yeah, it's better for you, yes. not for them. Oh, I don't care about them. Oh, okay, Come well. on, you know that about yeah, me. No, I know Fuck about them. You. I know. I'm talking about yeah. me. They didn't, they didn't yeah. know. Right, they didn't so, know. How did? Let me ask you a question. How long did it take you to learn a cheesecake factory menu? Was it um, four so, months or ten months? Okay, so I'm. I'm how many pages at, was it back then? You're, you're, you're in LA. I'm in LA. I'm working at the Cheesecake Factory in Redondo Beach. One of the few places I get a job. I worked at a restaurant here called Nino's. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the owner of Nino's, the restaurant tour, great guy, just passed away. Uh, Vincent Mandola. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and so that was one of my first jobs. Went to Cheesecake Factory, Redondo Beach, got that job. You go to, your first two weeks on the job is just menu training for two weeks. Nine to five. There's a hundred fucking Yeah, it's a phone book. And then you have to take the test. Now, I'm an actor, was like, had a degree in theater, memorized lines for a living. I memorized quickly. I mean, I can memorize five pages in five minutes, right, of dialogue. Failed. Failed the test the first time. Failed the text oh, the Saturday. Then it's Saturday. I had to come back and then pass it the third time. Eric, what's in our yeah. Southwest egg rolls? Uh, the Southwest egg rolls are a delicious combination black beans of black, and beans, and black corn beans, corn with an avocado cilantro cream <laughs> totally, sauce. Totally. You could have worked there. Yeah, Lude, let me tell you, you had to They're do everything deep fried. in case somebody was allergic to it. Yeah, I and always like the um, tonight we have the. That was kind of my, oh, you know. I also, yeah, I also would always like my main move uh, was when the when the group of of ladies came in, yeah, that were in their like mid fifties. I'd card them. Always oh, a great yeah. move. Yeah, always good, a good move. move. And then you give them ten separate checks because <laughs> yeah, totally, that's the move. Totally. Can you chop that's the, the move? Yes, ma'am. Here's your ten separate uh, yeah, checks. Again. So I saw. You want to talk? So the craziest thing I saw beside Ryan's fight, and it's in the same neighborhood. Oh, fuck. Is I was in working at a restaurant. It was like a lazy Saturday afternoon. And this man and woman were at a table and I'm waiting on them. And I can tell they're married, but it's not, I'm pretty sure they're married, but it's, you can tell it's not going good. It's not going great, this conversation they're having. And, um, at some point, it gets a little more like I've come over and ask them, do they need anything? And you can tell it's getting a little pissy between them. Right. And I hear them talking about one of their kids, and I realize, oh, this is like they're either separated or going through a divorce, or this is not a good thing. And I'm just thinking, okay, I just need to get their check and get them out of here, and whatever the case may be. Because you can see it's kind of going sideways. Before you know it, I just hear a commotion. So there's a bread, there's a there's a bread tin and there's like a butter butter pats inside this this tin, and sh- and he picks us up and throws it at her. <laughs> he wired no, it at her. She 
threw water. She grabbed water and threw it and hit at him. He grabs this and throws it at her. He They're standing up. He countered with the butter. Yeah, he countered <laughs> yeah. with butter pads. She went water. Butter and pads with and butter like pads. she smacked with bread in the face. <laughs> she gets his glass of water. Now remember, up to this point, here's what's happened so far. Water was thrown in his face. He got up, bread. grabbed the bread and the butter, and threw it at Did her. Did he slap her like a French bread? Like no, no, no. It was about face? it was about six feet away. Okay. He's standing up. Fastball. Fastball. Now, French he, bread in the face from he, six feet away is still gonna yeah. you're gonna feel it. Yeah. She grabs his glass of water now. Okay, good move. Picks it up, and now uh-huh. the whole fucking thing's coming at him. Yeah, yeah. Fastball. Glass he, two. Yeah, oh, the glass oh, yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of goes to the side like Matrix. Uh-huh. It's like a like a divorce, you know, a divorce proceedings Jesus Matrix. Christ. And he turns to the left, and it glances off his shoulder. Um, it had to hurt. I mean, she she could throw. And so <laughs> we didn't know how to break. Right like, or lefty. <laughs> oh, righty. I'll never forget. I never forget what she had on. She had on, like, she had on... Uh, a skirt. She had on a sleeveless white shirt. I, I, a cream colored skirt. I can't heels. In her heels, she just planted on her outs on her back leg and just exploded through her hips like McCullers. Just give like us, Lance give us McCullers. the draft profile on her. Yeah, and that's give I us mean, the draft profile. Well, I mean, her she was firing. Loose I mean, lim- yeah, I think she was loose limb. She had explosive hips. Okay, good balance. Um, she she was able to whip whip action with the arm. Oh, okay. Yeah, whip action with the arm. Okay. So decent yeah, sized hands. Very um, very <laughs> highly competitive. Okay. What was her comp? Who was her? Oh, uh, her comp at that time would have been probably. She was a little bigger than Pedro Martinez. This is fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> a little bigger than Pedro Martinez. I would say her comp would have been. Probably Kent Hill. Okay, from the Montreal Expos. Yeah, from the Expos. Kent Hill. The, yeah, so he was a good bring it Back to Canada. I go Kent Hill. Yeah. I wish I still had that hat. Oh, yeah, the, the, the original blue. Hat. Best hat in baseball, dude. Those. those I never realized it was an M somehow. Were so sweet. The baby blue. Yes, dude. <laughs> They're great. Way, I I like the Toronto Blue Jays right now. I think that team is really oh, as fun a team. to watch. Yeah, I thought you were team. just going uniforms no, and no, hats. No, no, no. But I, but I was just going to say, going to taking it there, and didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. But like Biggio and Guriel Jr. Uh, I mean, sorry, um, not Guriel Jr. Uh, Guerrero Jr. Yeah, dude, I just that's just a fun team. It's kind of fun watching all the great baseball players, really good baseball players. Their sons are all playing now. But doesn't it? But make now you feel they're old? really good. It does make because you feel it, old. Yeah, like seeing Gary. So I'm watching. So I'm watching Gary Grant, uh, Gary Trent Jr. for the Portland Trailblazers shoot threes. Yeah, and I'm like, I remember Gary Trent. I want was it that long ago? And then I'll turn the channel and just Fernando Tatis is bombing away. Yes, and then I flip it again and it's Craig Biggio Jr. Craig Biggio's son is yeah. playing along with uh, Vlad Cabin. Guerrero's son. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what in the I know. shit? I know it's happening. It, it like ages the us. same way. Ryan, why do all Respectable chefs have tattoos. I think we're. They de- think they're fucking cool. Degenerates number one. Like, um, <laughs> like this has been like this has been going on before tattoos were cool. You mean yours? Most of these guys. Like, most, like, of these you know, guys. most of these guys. Okay. Like, you know, it was just like you know you can like chefs you know tattoo artists not bartenders we all like we all run late right yeah we're always like you know night tattoo, house t- tattoo shots are open right and that kind of stuff and we're all kind of masochists 
tell me a little bit, uh, and this is obviously not a, a visual medium, but you've got the dice, you've, you've got, added a lot uh, you've got a hot I've dog, you. yours is kind of like little individual so things I here, you got, I don't, a, what is that, an oyster show with that's 1927? A, that's a pierogi. A pierogi with 1927. So that's, that's the address, you look outside, it's a 1927 oh, Fairview. So most of these, they're called flash, like I pick them off the wall. Okay. But like... um the one like this one has my 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 kid's name on it. Mm-hmm. I got it in Montreal. So most of them like we do these sh- these chef or these cooking events, and we get like bro tattoos or chef tattoos. Like me and you will go out and we get the same tat. Like gotcha. I got this in Montreal. Um, that's Belize. That's New York. That's L.A. Tell us that's about the Portland, Belize tattoo. That's here. That's Portland. This is the fucking AK. It says stay ready. That's in Alaska. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know that's Raleigh, North Carolina. So we'll go somewhere and we have some downtime. Yeah, can all, we, can we you tell tattoos. Eric about the, the gotcha. Belize tattoo? Which one? The, I don't know. The Belize tattoo. The same girl. So there's um, there's a... I think Lance wants you to tell yeah, me a story about there, the Belize tattoo. Um, in, you know, what was it? San Pedro. There's islands yeah. in San Pedro. So I w- I've done two chef events there. Okay. And we, we cook there, blah, blah, blah. And there's not, you know, we, there's, you're drinking. There's not a lot to do. It's a small island. It's fucking super dope. Chill. But there's um an ex-porn star... That's a tattoo artist there. So every okay. time we're in Belize, we go see this ex-porn star and we get the tattoo. So artist got, feels like a little bit of a stretch, huh? She got a heart of gold. Yeah, heart. no, I didn't say she. I didn't say she wasn't a lovely person. Yeah. yeah. So she did this one on me, and uh-huh. what else? Did you, she did the little island on it on me. Gotcha. Too. So some of us, like, there's a couple of us that have the like. You'll see us come and go. We all the, like one of us is the same thing. I like that. Okay. So, so they you don't, don't they don't mean anything. There is a there is a bond amongst chefs. Like it just seems like chefs, you know, and and I don't know if it's the the like the way of like sort of the way of life, it's the a quality lifestyle. of life, it's, it's a, a lifestyle, you know, and it, it it certainly is something that I think, you know, you for instance, which you've told me you have two two kids and your wife's here mm-hmm. right now and and you know, that's got to be a I mean, my life is when I'm traveling is very difficult. Everybody's got their own things, but certainly being a chef, the mm. hours that you keep is not easy to well, no, maintain it's not. a family. It's not. Well, that's How my, have you guys that, found that to work? That's girlfriend. That's my girlfriend, not my wife. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no oh, problem. shit. No problem. All that balls over no there in that seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No problem. But it's, you know, you. She is now. She's now. <laughs> After she's she lives in yeah, the yeah, pod. Yeah, she's now. <laughs> you know, there's, you live this lifestyle and like. You know, most of us like I like this lifestyle, but it's not easy on a family. You know, no. when when um my ex wife, like you know that my, the the mother of my children, she's a nine to fiver and she was oil and gas and that, so it's hard. Like you're when 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 she's coming, I'm going. Yeah, and having that when you get kids involved, it's a whole you know, a whole different ball game. Because both have to be, both have to be on board. It doesn't, it doesn't Mine work. Mine isn't crazy necessarily, but my dad was a coach. Yeah. So coaches, we would say coach's wife. And you know, if you, if you, yeah. if you're the, in a coaching family or if you coach or whatever, a coach's wife is something very specific. They're down for whatever. They're okay with moving frequently. They are supportive. They understand like, it is a lifestyle, it's and like, it's, it's not like for we everybody. Said before, it's a it's selfishness not for everybody. thing. So you know, like you work all these hours, and you're here, and blah blah blah, and, and it's not. And there's that one night you're like, okay, babe, like it's date night. Like I'm fucking leaving here on Friday. You know, we're going to eat, and then your suit calls. 
there's a food writer here. It's like, check please. Right. And you're back. Right. And that's the thing and that it, it's hard on people. It's not, you know, not, I don't think any of us chefs or whatever, they must, like, we're not proud of that. Right. But that's just that it's the nature of the beast. You know, you have to be here on these oft fucked up hours. Yeah. To, because when everyone else is playing, I'm working. Right. And that being said, um, when we get off, like, all those rules of of the bar closes at two o'clock. Those rules don't apply to right, me. Right, right. <laughs> you know a, where to go. I own a bar, motherfucker. Yeah, right? exactly. I'll yeah. stay there all night uh, yeah. till, till till eight in the morning. For yeah, or I can go to my friend's restaurant, my friend's bar, and sit there and drink. We can blow off fucking steam. Right. So it's it's so you know. And I. But and then you're coming home at four in the morning. Come home four in the you morning, know? And, and then you got to sleep till ten or eleven. But, but you, you know, but you know how it is. Like you have young kids. That's right. They don't give a shit how much you drank. Nope. How how hard you were. Seven o'clock. For. Daddy. Daddy. Show, showtime daddy. Yeah, yeah. And yep. then you, you know, like you feel like you're a shitty dad. Yeah. Or you're, or you're you know, whatever. And, and it's 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 a hard thing to manage. That's that's one of the things like I found. I know with, with Katie and I, it was really difficult when I did a run of a of a, a show on stage. And, you know, the hours are just you know, and Katie and I, by the way, have like a, a I've got an incredible wife who's so supportive and understanding of like my ups and downs of my lifestyle and also the travel that's involved. Yep. I've talked to Lance. I've talked to Nicole about it before. And it's just like, you know, I'll leave for periods, you know, I'll be gone six months of the year. Mm-hmm. Right. Where she's basically holding down the fort and I'll be, I'll be popping in for like every two and a half weeks for a weekend here or there. And, and that's not, anything she wants or I want, right? That's certainly not it. But that being said, when I'm home, I'm home, Mm. you know, but when, but I remember when I did a show, uh, and it was, uh, like a 10 week run of a show. Well, I would leave to go to the theater around, you know, probably five o'clock, five 30. Now, when's the worst time to leave a house? Oh, yeah. 5.30? Right, right before dinner. Right before, dinner right before and, and homework reading. And shower, yeah, all, the, okay. all the kids are going fucking So snake. I leave at yeah, 5.30, yeah. and then, you know, it's like, bye, babe. And she's like, yeah, see ya. And then you do your show, starts at 8. You're not Kurt, mad, you know, right? No, yeah, exactly. No, I'm not mad. Go you know, Just go. Show's not over until 10.30. You know, it's just the culture to go out afterwards with people who are with you. So, you you know, people came and saw your show. So you go to the bar and you have drinks and you visit with those people that came to the show. It's just theater culture. You're getting home at two in the morning. I would usually have to wind down. I'd go in the living room, watch some TV, Absolutely. eat a little something. So Because I, I can't just go home and go to bed right away. I, I agree. So I, now it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm going to bed. And the kids get up and she's doing breakfast. And there is no way I'm rolling in like, Hey, I'm really tired. Like, it's just, it's a, it is ever since I've done that show, anytime any theater offers have come my way, you know, Katie's like, look, I'm all for it, but you better fucking love it. Like, it better be a show you love because that is a grind and it is not easy. And it impacts everyone else. It impacts this entire, it's the ecosystem of the family, you know? So, and I agree, like, it's even harder when you're a line cook making $11 an hour. You have nothing to show for it, right? Besides the love of the game and you're coming home and you know, and that's the thing. Like I couldn't, I like, you know, you know, like, like, like acting or or doing a show, it happens fast, right? It's like three hours here and then it's over and you're so fucking wound up. 
and you want to go have a drink and there's people have a drink and then you get home and like you don't want to go to bed because you want to watch tv because you just want to fucking turn it off yeah and like i don't want to think about what's it because it's coming again tomorrow right i just want to i want to i want to like fucking drool and watch tv right but that's not conducive to your family life right. and, and and the schedule you have to have your children on yeah and your wife and that it's it's it's, it's something hard. that's it's so hard, what's the man. end game what's the end game for you like it's funny because all chefs have a lot of them like to go from none of them do like you know you want to do something right like i have an end game right now like i'm working on it <laughs> but okay so you have one yeah you know yeah. like i'm doing the nashville thing and that kind of stuff and, yeah so and, he's he's you're you're a consultant for a restaurant in in nashville you're yes. the executive chef i don't know what i'm the i'm the executive chef and at the virgin hotel in nashville for the it's called commons club downstairs so i was actually I just got home this afternoon from nashville um so i'm doing that and you know that's something that is an out for a lot of like i don't know an out but like you know you work in, in these independent restaurants, there's no 401k, there's no insurance, there's no nothing, right? It's, it's always a love of the game. You're doing this and you're taking a fucking beating and you're getting yelled, but taking you know, a, this. A puck to the face. I, there's times that I've left here, I would rather get a puck to the face. <laughs> then it would it would have hurt less than deal with. So, you know, you, you have to start doing things like, and I'm maybe in some backlash for this, like, because, when you start doing things like that in this industry, you call the fucking sellout. You start doing things like, well, oh, you mean trying to better yourself? Like, you know, doing things for money and like, like you know, sell, selling yourself or, or like selling products. And you go, and, 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 and you know, and, and like, I got fucking child support, man. Like, it's I got, not I, I got a, rent. It's, it's like, never like, being you know, a sellout. Like you, to... At the end of the day, when you're a businessman, you work for money, right? Yeah. 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 And, you, and you do the best you can to keep yourself and your family happy, but it, but you have to pay your fucking bills. Yeah. But I will say, and and I can relate to this as an artist because, and I consider you an artist. Like you know, I just I have I've had so many conversations with my wife about doing projects that I necessarily were like, passion, I don't know how passion projects. passion projects, right? Like there are projects that not every project I've done, I feel comfortable. Like I shouldn't say comfortable. I always feel comfortable, but like, I'm not proud of some of them I do for money, right? Some of them check that box. That's okay. And yeah, it is okay because I got kids in private school or school alone, but private school, I got a house, I got a mortgage, I got life, I got food. And, but as an artist, I think you always struggle with that sense of like well but i want it to be this i want it to be something i'm so Absolutely. proud of i want it to be i want to feel passionate about it but other times you also just like have to go spout like you have to be the second cop on a, a fucking procedural and spout some addresses and make a lot of money or or just hock some fucking easy hamburgers and make some money or well, put your so, name on something and make some money. So let me ask and you that's this. Okay, but I, I do. I, but I guess what I'm saying is I understand where you're coming from and I struggle with it a lot because it, as an artist, I think that is just balancing art and economy. I believe is the hardest thing to do as an actor and, yeah. and an artist. And sure. Like, you know, like you do these things and I want all this, this cool shit and I'm very, I have a nice restaurant and we're, we're doing okay now and then, but like, yeah, man, like I want, like, I want my girlfriend to have nice things. Yeah. 
You know, like I want you want your kids to be able to go to college and not sweat it, not fucking sweat. Yeah. Well, like, like, we, like we did, right? Like, like, we did, like you know. Yeah, so yeah, but you can't stay stagnant to do that. No, you no, can't. You, you, you can't stay stagnant. And and sometimes you get to the Robert De Niro's of the world, where it's just like paycheck, paycheck. He's put his time in, skins in the game. Analyze this, analyze that. Give right. me the Fockers. I don't just give me all that stuff. We're fine. Right. I'll try to jump out on an Irishman, and I'm done. You know, and like, I'm, I'm done. Not, like I wouldn't mind being that guy. No, but that's, no, of course. But that's what I'm saying, that's what though. Saying, that's why when you're seeing the, and I won't even say Gordon Ramsay's, but when you see guys have their own cookware and you see them do, you know, it's funny because people, yeah, the the romanticized version of the uh, the chef world is you want to have this and the Michelin star. No, at the end of the day, you want to be comfortable. You don't want, everybody wants to, everybody in every way of life at some point wants to be i don't want to have to worry about paying this bill i don't want to have to worry about this we always we At always some say point ba- you want to get there we always say back there like lance like if once you made it everything's on auto pay the one thing i i fight with sometime now in my business i've been doing radio 23 years i'm not as hungry as i once was there's no i used to be an animal at doing stuff and i, I listen to old stuff that i didn't think god that was so good i could never do that right now but then you look at, I look at different people. Or I look at the young interns coming in, and I'll bring them into the office and talk to them, and I'll tell them some things that, you know, Jim Nance. Here's guys who Jim Nance gave me a phone. I left a message for two guys that were really cool, Jim Nance and Kenny Main from ESPN. Mm-hmm. I left a message for Kenny Main on his. I had a blue book. Mm-hmm. which has phone numbers of yeah. different guys. And I left a message. Hey, Kenny, I'm trying to get in the radio, blah, blah, blah. I'm like 20, 25 at the time. He calls me back and just spends time talking. Three years prior to that, when I was about 22, 21, 22, I called, I had Jim Nance's phone number because I was answering. I was like answering phones for a local guy who did radio and he had Jim's number. And, you know, he gave me his number, said, call him up. We're getting him on the show. Well, I stashed the number. And I knew he had, now he was on the come up now. He didn't, he wouldn't, he hadn't made it big time, but he was starting to make it. So I called him and I asked him, how did you do it? Or I called and left a message. He calls me up in the morning and we talk, he talks to me for 30 minutes. So you, so I'd never done any, he doesn't know me. So listen, you, you have a guy, right? Do you, do you have a, like, like an acting guy you can call? That if you're like in the in the like shit, a mentor, a mentor, just someone like, hey man, like what would you do in this? Like I yeah. have a I have a guy. It, it, it's kind of yeah, and I kind of feel it's it's not a guy in Houston. I've never worked with this guy, and I'll call him, and if I can hold him, he'll call me back and say, listen man, maybe do this, maybe do that, and I've I've done events with this guy, and he's a big name dude that's done a bunch of TV and shit, mm-hmm. but he will call me back that afternoon, and I'll say, listen, I'm in, I'm you know having a tough time. And I, what would you do about this? What about this? What right. about that? And, and, and he'll get back to me. See, right. I don't, I don't have that, but I had somebody when I was nobody doing nothing who took the time to do but that. I still and feel I, like I'm nobody. Yeah, but you're not. I, just, I but always, you're not. Feel, I but always do you feel, feel like that. But, but because I, but you've got that guy, you feel like, like, I feel like because they did that for me, and I who will, am I not to fucking I will, take time I, out to talk to him? I will 100%. Right, and you would take time out. I always do, but I always still feel like I'm a nobody. So I call this dude, I'll call him tomorrow. Well, things, but if these guys have any questions, yeah, man, if anyone, absolutely. But you know, I always like I can only tell you what I did, right? Right, what worked for me, right? This is what I did. It may not work for you, but I can tell you what happened to me. I'm going to tell you this is how it is. I just think it's. I think a it's important to have that person or persons that you can count on and you can lean on. I think it's important 
to be able to be leaned on sure. as you start to find success, which the three of us have been able to do. Um, and I also think that, you know, going back into, um, you know, the term selling out, I think is, um, I think it's kind of garbage. It's because, fucking bullshit. Because dude. here's the thing, man. It's, I also think it's something that's, we put on ourselves. Why right? are we all, why are we all like doing nobody this? Nobody else thinks that. Why are we so all we doing this? To be ourselves. comfortable. No, we're doing it to be more than comfortable, right? And and we're doing it because we love it. And we got into it because we love it. And 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 I think that as long as like that maintains that that is what like centers us, then I think, you know, it's uh you'll end up on the right path, you know? And I think I, that I ultimately when I find that I'm doing something I love which is acting. If, if it's a project at the end of the day, if I get a project and I say, you know what? I, I will have fun doing this. I want to do this. Then I'm going to go have fun. Doing but, it, but you enjoying know? your work and, or even liking your work, maybe you don't like it as much, but you still, in, you still enjoy it and you're good at what you do and making a good living or doing something that does make you comfortable or more comfortable. Hashtag or, fucking blessing. Well, yeah. but they're, but they're not mutual, but they can be, they don't have to be mutually no, exclusive. They don't. You can do you can do both. And people yeah. who talk about selling out a lot of times are the ones who don't have those opportunities, and they're the pull down. They're the crabs in the bucket. So let me let For me ask you a question. Yeah, Alcohol. Please. When did you? So you moved to L.A. from where? From Houston. From Houston. From here to, to be an actor. Yeah. When did you know that you could stop, like? being a server, being this, and you could act full time? When when did that come to? <laughs> I know the story. Um, yeah, I mean. You're like, okay, I, I can, got I got some commercials. I was pretty successful, like commercially after. What do a while. commercials pay? Well, when I did commercials, they paid pretty well. So, like, I would, you know, if you did a national commercial for, say, Pepsi, mm -hmm. like you could pretty much, you you knew you were going to make twenty five grand. Really? Yeah. For so one commercial. For one commercial. Like you could feel pretty confident about that. And if it was great, you could make 50 grand. And if it didn't go great, you could make 18 grand. Now mm. that's when I was doing it. That was, you know, the early 2000s. You know, there was no streaming. There was no internet. So you'd know you were making some good money. Okay. And, and I was doing, you know, at that time I had done like four or five, six commercials a year and things were going well. And, and bad then living. at one point, no, it's not a bad but living at all. But you almost quit audition. before you got that. I, I got to say, Ryan, though, like I don't, I, I'm not the kind of person that like, I still don't feel secure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I still go to bed at night and think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to work again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I have nights where I'm never going to work again. And then when you're working, you feel like you're never going to stop working. It's intensified, it's though, just, through pandemic, right? Of course. I, mean, I, I feel that way aside, right now. Right. This yeah. is pandemic aside because Tell me that's kind it. of an outlier. Yeah. But but I've always felt like that. It, it wasn't until like I quit my job after I booked a, a series of IBM commercials. I, so knowing that, what, what I just told mm -hmm. you. I went to work one day and I, there was, I, I, my agent called and said, you booked an IBM commercial. And I said, great. And I went to work and I got, I walked into my trailer and I saw seven scripts and I thought, well, and so I remember asking like the PA, I was like, which one am I doing? And they're like, oh, we're going to do this and this and this today. And then tomorrow we're going to do the other four. And I was like, oh, oh like, I'm shooting all of these. And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm shooting all seven commercials. She's like, yeah. And I literally shot seven commercials in two days. So how long is a commercial? Like, for, like if I'm on TV watching commercial, how long is a commercial? Like, is it? 
10, 30, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah. It's a 30-second so spot. how long does it take you to make one commercial? Oh, I mean, a day. A day. Yeah. In this director, we shot seven commercials in two days. Okay. Right? You're fucking banging but them out. Just banging them out, banging them out. And at that point, that was like really good money. I mean, I'm, I made really good money on that. When that fat um, check came in, what then, was that like? Oh, I, well, I've told you that story. Yeah. I mean, I got that first fat check. And how, much I was wa- like, how much was it? Dude. <laughs> say it. Just say it. Say I got, it. I got I got a check one day. It was like a random Tuesday at like noon. And it was like 17 grand or something. It was insane. And you fucking blew it out that day. No, but I called my buddy Brian and I was like, bro, we're going like I'm picking you up in five. We went, we bought shoes, we bought t-shirt, like vintage t-shirt shop. We went out that night. We went to the club. We got we got uh, drinks. Like I was like, we're getting bottles, and we had we blew it out. And then, but you kept having checks. No, I didn't get a check. Was the problem? I thought that was going to be like a regular check thing, and then I never got a check for like another like you know like. But it would randomly pop up, but it, right? They just randomly—that's how that worked. It just kind of like randomly popped up. What's like, a, what's your favorite so, thing you saw? You've seen him on TV before. I'll tell you something. I watch Generation Kill once a year. Yes, and I watched it when it was on, and I watch it at least once a year now. It was the number and, one and like, best and, job. And, I and ever when did. he told me like we were doing this, I was fucking so stoked. Nice, because <laughs> I love that show. Well, let me tell you, man, it was... I have a million questions right now. Yeah, you can ask any of them. I, I, that was the job that kind of changed my, my career because, really? yeah, because, you know, my wife, my wife and I were dating. I took off and I, I left to Africa for seven months and never Africa. came home. Yep. It was 32 dudes fucking around Africa for seven months. It was awesome, dude. It 32? was killer. 32? Yeah. Man, like I, I tell you, like I've, I watched it when it came out and I watch it at least once a year. My wife's um, over there laying down on yeah, on literally three about to fall asleep. She's turned it into a bed. My girl, uh, my girlfriend left. Your girlfriend left, and he, Ryan Lashane and Emil like, no, hold on a second. She's like, nah, not so no, much. We're good. Yeah, we gone. Oh, um, Ryan, answer this real quick. Last meal. What is it? You're on death row. Wow. I'm on death we row. Can't just do it. Listen, man, two cabbage rolls and two pierogies and some. And some creme fraiche and poop them, scoop them into a bowl. And I'll sit outside in a fucking milk curtain and eat them. And that's it. All right. There you go. Pierogies and pierogies and cabbage rolls. Yeah. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate me. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Okay, we are done. That's another episode. Thanks again to our friends of the show. We have Blackland Distillery out of Fort Worth. Blackland FW on the gram, the IG, if you will, or online at blacklanddistillerifw.com, making sure they uh, get us lubed up with their fine spirits. And always one of our MVPs of the program, Tony Moles over at the Anthem Agency. Tony takes care of all of our artwork on IG, Twitter. Uh, he's fantastic for any graphic design needs you have. Reach out to Tony, tell him we sent you. And uh, he can be reached at Anthem Agency. Without the E, because, you know, Tony's tricky like that. So it's A-N-T-H-M-Agency.com or uh, on the gram or Twitter, Anthem Agency. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Off Script with my dad, Eric, and his friend, Lance.